0: Hey, this is Liberty DeVito, and you're listening to the Fab Four Free for All.
1: Welcome to the Acapella Beatles already? Show. We now like to is perform this being heard? the entire White Album acapella. We'll begin with Revolution Number Nine. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're gonna do it, and we're gonna do it in stereo. Number nine.
0: I'm
1: Hello. Someone turn, turn, me turn, on on, I turn me on. Someone turn you on. Turn me on when
2: I get lonely. Turn me on, Devin. not
0: going to be able to
2: hear me. They we do. still can't hear you.
0: I know. Ladies
3: and gentlemen, the Fab Four Free Fire.
0: Good. I'm not on. Yeah, thank you. He's not I'm on not yet for the Fab 2 free-for-all. I'm on now? Yeah. Now you're on. Oh, listen we, to me. Yeah, we listen gotta, to yeah. Shh, shh, shh. We we I gotta just gotta
2: like record. to hear myself. Oh. Okay, Rob's
0: well, going to moderate today. I am the, the moderator for
2: today's edition of the Fab 4 free-for-all, a internet talk show that's about the Beatles. We really? We just talk, yes. No music. Just talk. Nothing else? Just Beatles? I am Rob Leonard. This is... The guy right here is Mitch Axelrod. Hello. And that guy there is Tony Truguardo.
1: Greetings folks.
2: And today our topic, which we spent many minutes Into thinking the mic, up, please. thinking up five events that shaped the Beatles.
1: Now, what we generally do, just for who here have heard has Who's heard, heard the our show, show? Oh, right. Yay. All right? Yeah, okay. So how, you know all how all those it works. checks cleared. Yeah. That's cool. We we uh, we have a topic that we work with every week, and um, the fun thing about this, and we've done shows live from the fest before, is that you know at the end of the show we'll we'll let all some of you folks uh, chip in with some of your thoughts. Chip in about the topic. Yeah. Yes, chime chip in, not chime in. Question. Chime yes. In. Yes. any question? Yes. want. so continue, Rob. So five events that shaped the Beatles. Can they be any type of event, Rob? They could be anything that has happened to the Beatles? To the Beatles or to society as well?
2: Oh, you want to be one of those guys. I want one to of be one of those guys.
1: guys. Yeah. You want
2: to be on CNBC? No, MSNBC. <laughs> you can't <laughs> call right. analysis
0: without, well, sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so it can be any event. So if every, all of you, give it some thought now. Five key events that you think were the main ones that shaped the Beatles' now, existence. I'm,
0: I could tell you right now, most of you are probably going to say... November twenty-second, nineteen sixty-three. The death of I didn't Kennedy. I don't
2: say that. I don't say that.
0: I'm not saying that either. That's oh, what okay. saying most of them. That oh, okay. I might not say that either. I'm not definitely going to well, say all right. that. <laughs> but we'll see you would think that. that it would be one event that would shape the. Be- and it did. It definitely did. But, as you know from our show, we are a little different. So, um, we are going to give our Wow. Thoughts on what we feel shaped the Beatles. Okay,
2: usually when we do this in the recording studio, we do all five at a time. But this time we're going one at a time.
1: So, Anthony, you go first. Yeah. Ah. See, what I've done is I've listed – I've got my little cheat note here. I've got 15 of them. That way, if any of you guys what? duplicate any of the ones I'm oh, picking, I could pick a different one. Well, sometimes one. we do duplicate. So, we do. So, I'm going to go – Hold me tight. No. I, I'm <laughs> going to sort of go in – Some kind of a chronological order. Okay, sounds good. And I'm going to sort of take two incidents or situations that to me created an event in a way. And I'm going to say 15 of one of the big events that shaped the Beatles were Julia Lennon and Mary McCartney both passing away while the two sons were at a very young age. That's uh, a good one. that, That created so much of the bonding between kind of the tough guy John right. and and the slightly more um, scholastic slightly more uh, you know too. ambitious Paul yeah. and and I think that while the two of them obviously connected on a, on a music level, I think to get them to bond on kind of an emotional level they had that sort of tragic thing in common. That's interesting in in, in songs that they um,
2: identify with their mother, you know, Julia with John, Mother Mary with Let It Be.
1: Right. And, and it's interesting how they both look back to their mother. And it's, it's interesting too, I find that it, that, that happens so... Late in their careers, too. Yeah, the it songs. Didn't, you know, yeah. Early on, there uh, it was almost sort of the rock and roll was kind of, a, in a way, a protective barrier from. I think from them to go back to it. It didn't get till years later with the White Album and them getting a little bit older that they yeah. went back and, you know, as you said, Paul with Julia and and. Yeah. Uh, but and Paul did
0: anybody see Nowhere Bo- Nowhere Boy?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: That yeah. it almost was to a point of like perversion the way they showed John's. Love for his mother, yeah. Almost well, in a really perverse the, kind the of scene, way. Well, well the yeah. scene that
2: got me was on that movie was uh, the, he's with her, his mother, and they show the fingernails. Yeah. And then the next scene, he's having sex against girl. a tree with the same with a girl with the same fingernails. Yeah. I was like, okay, we we get the point. <laughs> yes, we have
1: yeah, driven that that message <laughs> home. Yeah. But but it, I I think a lot of it had to do with just them being able to, I would imagine, in quiet moments when they weren't sitting. Banging the guitars against each yeah. other and, and you know, writing songs nose to nose, there had to be some conversation between the two, and some talking about some real feelings, which I don't see John as being the kind of guy that really was giving those away for free in general. Well, I think at that but point, I think with yeah, Paul, I think I think uh, right, he had to wait a few years sort of yeah, uh, but I as think a, an artist, to, right? But uh, I think uh, with Paul, that was something that was able to let him open up.
2: But
0: so. the in again in Nowhere Boy, and I'm not saying Nowhere Boy is the anywhere, you know, the official. It's well done. It is it was, well done, yeah. and, but it's just based on fact. Right. But the way they showed it where Paul at the end when Julia dies and John is, comes back, you know, drunk at the party and then beats Paul up mm. and then they start hugging and everything. It, it might have been a little, you know, liberty, but taking liberties, but it did show even at that early age that they did have a bond Yes. Because of that, Yeah, absolutely. so it didn't have to wait till the white album, right? You know, they did right.
1: actually. Have but it I'm to just have saying, it's it surprising that it didn't that they, their sort of feelings about their mothers didn't come out till so much later. Yeah, but
0: anyway.
2: Mitchell, what's just so uh, one? Of you start mine. off. What's your kick point? Wow. Um, I'm not gonna go in order. Don't look in the Oh, I'm, I'm, well, this is the first time we, when we do these shows, I can actually
0: see what you have. I'm, Usually he's on the other, he's behind he's the, the glass. on the glass. Which is, which is better. A very, <laughs> good, a very good thing for us. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go in that same theme. And say Liverpool in general. Liverpool. Okay. Liverpool gave them their toughness. So would you say there was an event, though? Liverpool, being born the event. okay, no, being, I don't born mean it being born in, in Liverpool, Liverpool. Okay. But that, so instead that, of London. Yeah, I need to clarify, and that, no, that's that, a big thing, though. London a, was much different than Liverpool, you're right. Liverpool was a very hard town, and you had to be a tough guy in order to make it yeah, there. That was good a teddy boy, yeah. You had to be a teddy boy to, to really yeah, make it there, point. or else you weren't. So that gave them their toughness, and you know, they didn't take crap from anybody. And later on, too, even when they were in the studio, they were cocky, right. and I think yeah. they got their cockiness from their upbringing in Liverpool.
1: Right. I agree with you. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: My, uh, my first choice is a guy who walked into the cavern on November 9th, 1961, and all of a sudden decided his life was going to change, and he was going to change the four guys he was watching on stage his life. Brian Epstein. It was the trousers. It was the trousers, but you know what? Brian Epstein pushed the Beatles into places they never would have been as an act. Uh, everything from uh, writing to uh, the ballroom owners in in, um, in Great Britain, basically saying, "Well, we have some dates available three months from now, and we can take a you know a booking." And they're like, "Oh, okay." And he, everything he did, from even putting them in the suits, which you know maybe John wasn't too happy about, but you know what, it presented them as a four-headed monster he changed the music scene in great britain and then the uh, the whole world if you think about it and it's just amazing from you know here was a guy who was a record store owner mm-hmm. you know he was kind of aimless in his life and all of a sudden he had direction and then he put that direction into the beatles yeah. and they they trusted him mm-hmm. and i think you know so much from him dying in 1967 leads to you know the all the bad things that happened
1: afterwards. And think about what it, how diverse those two groups of people were. Here you had the Beatles, these toughs from the other side of the tracks, and here you had Brian Epstein, a you know, classy guy. class act whose parents owned department stores. Amazing that these two sides would, you know, yeah. end up forming such a, a he, relationship. He,
2: the, fact, the fact that it always got me is that he just decided, I'm going to be your manager. And the Beatles said, okay more or less they, they did like they didn't yeah. investigate him they knew who he was because they'd been in well paul in did go
1: see him with his dad well that's true that's paul true. did take jim to check out the scene and make sure that brian was all right that's true so anyway. it's just
2: kind of interesting how it it just sort of happened it was almost like it was gonna happen no matter what and right. it just you know think about it. november 9th to getting an audition with Deckard.
1: it's less than two months it was their dentistry <laughs> i mean their destiny i'm sorry
0: Okay, Mitch. My second one ties right into that because you brought it up a little bit. You said Brian finding them. Yeah. But the death of Brian Epstein also was traumatic and and sort of an event also being the formation of Apple because it was starting to be created before Brian died. Yes, yes. So they had already an idea. He died and then all hell broke loose and Paul took over And, well, tried to take over. And things got a little crazy for the Beatles after then. Because then it was really one person trying to hold a group together that maybe shouldn't have done that.
2: And I always wonder what would have happened if Brian hadn't died, if he hadn't overdosed. Would The Beatles have found out that maybe he wasn't the best financial manager. He, He was great in saying to Ed Sullivan, we'll take a cut, but we want top billing. Which is, when you think about it, so ballsy yeah no one knew We're an unknown group yeah. yeah ed sullivan sees him in sweden oh that's nice we'll have you on the show well we want top billing well who the hell are you over mitzi gainer <laughs>
1: what nerve and tessie, and tessie o'shea tessie o'shea right here the and cast of, oliver, cast of oliver.
0: Yes. oliver right davy jones davy jones yeah. good old davy god rest your soul davy yes.
2: okay anthony
0: Okay, let's see. I'm gonna go. You'll have to go in order,
1: by the way. No, I know, but still, it's fine. I have thirteen left. I have thirteen left. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to to go over to this you and glasses? say, no, I'm I'm all right. I'm gonna say now we're talking about events, and I look at event in some ways as a moment and you talk about how things form, shape, and relationships are born and relationships are created. And I've got a few of those here, but the one that I I thought last night was, George Harrison tells George Martin that he doesn't like his tie. Now, why was that such a big deal? To me, that was the turnaround moment. That was the moment where you've got George Martin, the producer, the guys in the studio, and, and who's gonna be the boss? And who's going to be the, who, who's going to be led, you know, led around and kind of, now George Martin could have really put a lot more of a rein on the guys in the studio, but there was, there was this sort of, there was the goon show. There was this idea that humor was inherent in what the Beatles were about. And for George Martin to be able to say, well, all right, fellas, is there anything that you don't like? And for George Harrison to say, I don't like your tie. And for George Martin to, instead of saying, well, nasty little you yeah, know, bastard, little punk, he got the joke and laughed and the ice was broken. And suddenly, even though he was a few years older... Even though he was a, an authority figure to them, the ice was now broken. They were, they were, they could be buds. I could, they could see a working relationship that was going to. So to me, that was kind of a turnaround moment. You know, would another one have happened? Yeah, I'm sure yeah. another one and would have happened. Quiet beetle. The quiet beetle, well, George, uh, very quiet beetle. Their absolutely. Co-
0: the <laughs> their cockiness happened because they were born in in Liverpool. Agree, Look at that, sh- very nice. One, see one how we bring around that around. Today. There we go. <laughs> Rob, what's your 45th one? Well, number 2, I, I number 2. I, 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 okay, my
2: my next thing is something if you, at the time probably was kind of devastating to the Beatles. Not getting signed to Decca. Oh, and it's a good one. Think about it. You're at the top band in Liverpool and you, and you, you might you get this audition and all of a sudden well, let's be honest. It wasn't a great audition. They must have known it at one point. But signing with DECA, first of all, you don't get George Martin. Right. You don't get EMI Studios because DECA Studios were not as classy and well-known as EMI Studios. And who knows who you get as your producer? Hmm. You know, Do you get a Dick guy Lowe. who's just there to record? No. Or <laughs> or do you get you know, someone like George Martin who can write arrangements, who could... Uh, say to him, okay, maybe you should add a, me, another chord here, or well, that chord's been used before. What about something else? Right. You know, like, and she loves you. He said, "Well, that chord's been used in, in the '40s. Right. Like, with well, the Beatles didn't know it. Or who would
1: say? Who would say maybe you should speed up, please, please me? Yeah. Uh, and know, not make it a Roy Orbis number. We, so, are you done?
2: I'm done for that one. And actually, I just changed. I just added that. Look at the list. Is it on the list?
1: Wow! He wrote on the he's back. Improving. of improving. He got today. Yes, he's improving. Anyway.
2: Because I was thinking about what you were just saying about uh, George.
0: Yeah, Martin. George Martin Mitchell. Uh, I'm all right. As long as we're staying in the early 60s, you can go wherever you want. You can go out of chronological order. I'm not. All you right. You could though. I could. I know. Okay. I'm free. <laughs> said Roger Daltrey. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna. You know, I was gonna say July 6, 1957, but that's a given, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. I'm really not yeah. saying it. See. Yeah. It'll uh, be what? a rebellion. I It'll know. Be. Sure. I'm going to say the firing of Pete Best. How's ah. that? Pe- I like that. I thought he quit. I'm sorry. I'm a little behind the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Right. Yeah, anyway. Firing Pete Best. Obviously, you know they had Ringo in mind. Well, as we put it last night, we were talking about it. The arranging of the chess pieces. Yeah. No, that's a good basically. way of saying that it was because when he summed that up. Yeah, that's really Winnie, That was good yeah. because that last chess piece really made the Beatles. I mean, forget about musically. I mean, Ringo was, again, my opinion here, I'm going to get letters, but he was much better than Pete Best as a drummer. You can listen on the anthology and hear Love Me Do, Please Please Me, and you just hear what Ringo did. So I always thought that Pete
2: Best's drumming on the Tony Sheridan tapes were pretty good. Yes, good. Yeah, but a different band. Solid thumper.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was the Beatles, but also it was Tony Sheridan right. being a gu- the lead guitarist, really, instead of George. That's true. No uh, one, so People forget that. Yeah, so it was a different... Uh, but George learned from Tony yes, Sheridan. Yes, yes. So it was a... It, yes? I hear he kind of Best kind of like famous, Well, he did. The, the comment was,
1: wasn't it... Everybody, everybody talks about it. Right, the gentleman was just saying, isn't it funny how the firing of Pete Best actually m- ended up making Pete Best famous?
0: So right. famous that he went to work in a donut shop for the next 13 years.
1: <laughs> Baker, post office. But his but he made an maker. appearance on I've Got a Secret on, on American yes, TV. Did. And nobody got the secret. Nobody got the secret. Uh, they well, had no nobody, clue who he was cared at about the time. The yeah, I think with hindsight now, I think people know Pete Best more than they did, say, in like 1966 or 67. Well, I mean, I think it was, you know, But going again, back.
0: musically, Ringo was. You know, yeah, way better, yeah. but also personality-wise, you can. All the other guys said it. Now I don't. I wasn't there, so from what we've all heard well, from the Beatles, they even said that he just wasn't right personality-wise. Yeah, he didn't there was, have the it was same an ill fit personality, right? And there Ringo an did. Fit. You know, Ringo didn't have the haircut when they when he first started. Right, Ringo had the slick back. Yeah, but you know DNA what? He stole. was just a better fit for the Beatles. Right. And what if they kept Pete Best?
1: Well, it, it's
2: interesting because they might have
1: used a studio drummer. I was just about to say that. They would have used a studio drummer and their live performances would not have been as and electric. And they would have
0: become the Beach Boys. They were very nice. Yes. No, you're right. They, would well, have been Hal everybody Blaine. Used, everybody used, used Hal Blaine. You know, yeah, right. Right. Not wrecking, in England. The directing crew. I know England, yes. but I'm just saying a lot of people didn't use. They would be the demolition crew in oh, England. Shut up. I'm sorry.
2: But it is, you know, for those who don't know, Pete Best for the anthology got a nice chunk of change. Oh, yeah. And he was
0: not making yeah. donuts anymore.
2: And, he, yeah. uh, and because of that, Time he's to also make the toured and, and done other things. So, And we've met Pete and interviewed him a couple of times. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's, he's a, a great good guy. guy. You know, he's, for a guy, is, a guy who got pushed out literally days before the rocket ship took off.
1: He uh, looks back with fondness. He, uh, by the 80s, he looked back, you know.
0: I will say this. Interviewing him, though, and interviewing, having the pleasure of interviewing Ringo, he definitely was... More reserved as an interview. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you can see sort of where the Beatles were going in terms well, of be, his personality.
1: Yeah. Okay, Anthony. All right, go. next. Um, Number sixty-two. Number sixty-two on the Hit Parade, July twenty-ninth, nineteen sixty-six. What day is that? Everything goes to heck in a, a handbasket. A Tuesday. Okay. Anybody know what happened on that day? Go ahead. There you go. That oh. gentleman just nailed it. Datebook editor... Nailed Oh, sorry. That was yes, terrible. Wow. It. Jesus come. Oh, terrible. D- Datebook editor Danny Fields, who was a journalist, put John Lennon's quote about Christianity on the cover of of the July 29th, 1966 issue, out of context. So it wasn't just including the article in the magazine. It was basically knowing that he had a firestorm in a teacup and he could basically take this quote or any of the two or three quotes from that segment of the Maureen Cleave interview, throw it on the cover of a magazine and bang, instant classic. And what did that lead to? All, excuse my pun, all hell breaking loose. And record sales going up because as they so wisely put it in the Ruddles, people were buying them just to burn them. (laughs) So you actually um, had something that really led to, and not to be incredibly morose and bring the moment down, but you really had something that indirectly even essentially led in part to John's murder in 1980 because the creep actually said in reference on a few occasions, well, I still didn't like what John said about Jesus. Really? So amazing that 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 one, you know, little quote event, an interview that went virtually unnoticed in England, it was just John being John became this And actually, if you know what he's talking about, it makes a lot of sense. Made a lot of sense. Most of the clergy in England actually agreed with him.
0: And, and uh, later it would go on record as agreeing. That's the problem with that quote. We don't want to get into that quote a whole lot. But in general, it was in England. It was much more prevalent in England. Right. And for here, even the Beatles, if you watch the press conferences, they never really explain. John says, well, I said what I said, and it was wrong. It was taken wrong. And just for those of you who may oh, not on. know, know the, end, the quote that was on the, the
1: cover of the date book I- issue, the actual line that they use is, uh, I don't know which will go first, Christianity or rock and roll. So that was the exact line that was on the cover of Datebook. Then when you went into it, uh, you had the rest of John's, quote, again, in context with him talking about uh, the feeling of, of Christianity in England. At the
0: again... Book. He didn't really explain it, even in press conferences. If he no. would have just said in a press conference, I wasn't talking about us being bigger than we well, he tried Rod. to. He said, I could have said television. Right. I could have said... But he never really... Right, exactly. Yeah. But he never really got the point across. He was very nervous in every one of those interviews yeah. talking about
2: it. It was too quick. It was quick, and yeah. then the other Beatles sort of jumped in to sort of protect him. When you see the press conferences of that, that era...
1: Right. No, exactly. Hang on. So, I saw a hand. Certain sect of people wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. Absolutely. No, gentleman absolutely you saying, right? Certain sect of people really just heard what they wanted to hear. And that's And use an excuse
0: true. to go, you know, yeah. against the Beatles because the yeah. Beatles were the antichrist from the minute they played the Ed Sullivan show, you know, so, right. so yeah. to speak. The long hairs, you know, they yeah. really had nothing to do with religion. But, you know, it just wasn't the, the Ed Sullivan show, which... Hopefully it's on one of your lists because it's not yes. mine. It's um, not mine. Okay. But that show itself, even in, in America, set off a firestorm. I mean, has anybody seen I Want to Hold Your Hand, the great movie? Yeah. yeah. The fun movie? But that's really what it was like in the 60s. I mean, really, parents wanted their kids to get haircuts and they didn't want to be Beatle boys and all that stuff. Beetle girls, they were calling them. So, you know, it was an excuse to hate the Beatles even more. And especially in the Bible Belt you know which just took that quote and ran with it and didn't try to explain really what it was all about because if they would have explained what it was all about they wouldn't have been burning records that you know they would have actually explained to their kids look you know what he meant was but they didn't take that time really or to just turn around and said to your kid well why
1: i mean even How just do you to say to an 8-year-old kid well not a, to an 8-year-old kid but i'm saying to a teenager to a teenager yeah. who is listening to the beatle records and who is you know, but what they were about all
0: going to church and listening to their parents, and if the well, parents said the Beatles were bad, they were bad. They were bad. Yeah, and was it. 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 was also the first
1: time where people can
2: go against the Beatles. Right. So, you know, they, that's like, what I was saying. First big slip. Oh, yeah. You should listen instead so <laughs> of drinking. I, I, do. I would do. One, one <laughs> Number three. Okay. No, you go. Oh, actually, Here. mine turn, it sort of ties into what you're saying. Uh, the Beatles uh, deciding not to tour after 1966. Uh, I think uh, it really helped them as musicians, i don't think pepper happens without them deciding to step away from touring they could have continued touring you know in 67 things changed with technology and and sound and, and light shows and
1: different things i think they would have had to have played far different venues but they couldn't do it in stadiums anymore they no, weren't selling I, out I, stadiums i think if it had happened down the road it would have been the beatles at the Fillmore somehow or something not that that could have really but you know what I mean They were gonna get the monitors and the things
2: they weren't selling
0: out. No, they weren't well They weren't selling out because of the whole and I think that was
2: part of it, too But I think the touring took away the the fact that they had to go out there was you know There was like this rhythm, you know 64 65 66 we tour we make a movie on the 66 They didn't and that led to revolver because if they were making the movie They would never would have made revolver and their most important music comes after they stopped touring.
0: Well, that's. I was just going to ask that, and, and please keep this in mind for the end because you could tell me I'm wrong. But was touring, the end of touring, necessarily a good thing for the Beatles?
2: Yeah, because I, th- I think what happened well, to them was. Just an opinion. At, musically, they couldn't be heard anymore, and I think that part of it. Would have people still been screaming in 67? I think that's the question. Now we, we'll never know. Yes, obviously. but
0: we got great music. Yeah. But did we get enough music? And that's very spoiled of me, but. seriously now instead of three
1: albums and two singles but there was music that was being made that that you could take time to make as opposed to all right, boys we've got to be on the road in a month so wrap the album up so we can get on the road but think
0: about it what was the last album they did while they were touring
1: Running over, yeah,
0: right. Was that a bad album? No, no, that was okay. That was good. So, so my point is, just (laughs) again, (laughs) I'm not necessarily saying (laughs) I think the Beatles end of touring hurt the Beatles, but in general, we we could have still gotten great music growing because they grew every year, every album. Right. We still could have gotten great music and had them tour. So maybe it was bad for us, but also maybe maybe good for them. Hi, everyone. Just
1: wanted to let you know that besides Fab Four Free For All, each of the three of us are involved in our own individual projects. Mitch Axelrod's two books, Beetle Tunes, the only book about the cartoon Beatles show, and Little Billy and Baseball Bob, can be found through all of your good booksellers online, including Amazon.com, or if you'd like autographed copies, contact Mitch on Facebook.
0: And my buddy Rob Leonard has a great Beetle show that he's been doing for 20 years called Beetle Songs, and it's on every Friday night from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can listen to it online. It's streaming at www.ncc.edu whpc. And also look for it on TuneIn.com.
2: Antonio Tony is the host of 4F, free format for free, on WCWP 88.1 on Long Island. He's on every Monday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And also at www.wcwp.org. Also available on tunein.com.
1: The members of Fab Four Free For All would like to invite you to a very special event, the only charity screening of the newly remastered Rock Show at the Cradle of Aviation Museum, Dome Theater, Garden City, New York, May 30th, 7.30pm. Admission is $25 for this charity event and the net proceeds will benefit the Songs After Sandy charity. Sponsored and hosted by your friends at the Fab Four Free For All. Wings, the cradle of aviation and Fab Four Free For All. A perfect combination.
2: There was, there was a lot of problems with the 66 tour. Less people showed up. Because of the, the quote. You had the problems in the Philippines. You had the problems with the Jesus quote with the South. There was a lot of things that sort of things were turning, I think. Well, you
0: know, the Beatles were yeah. growing up and the, and the fans weren't. Yeah, and I think that's the, part of it. F- yeah. 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 Or at least
1: the fans that were going to come in crowd stadiums maybe. Right. I think some of the older True. fans were moving to wanting to start a few years, a year forget. or two later, we're going to be going to theaters and going. And what uh, was,
0: what was big in 1966 when the Beatles stopped touring? Oh, musically. Thank you. Oh, there we go. The monkeys you know, the
2: monkeys came after they stopped touring. Yeah.
0: Again, though, no, but took that place right away.
1: Took the place of the, yeah, for the teeny boppers. the crop. teeny boppers. Yeah, I'll give you that.
0: You will? Uh, yes. One for me? One for you. Cool. Okay. I don't know about that. Who goes next? Well,
2: but I then again, that. the monkeys' record was what? Uh, came out in August of 66. Revolver yes. comes out in August of 66.
0: That's oh, up. I might have a point. Wow, look go. at that! It's Maybe on the top po- of my head. Point
1: axle rod. Point axle rod. <laughs> oh, we
2: don't care about the Rolling Stones here. <laughs> go to Stones Fest.
1: <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. Wait, timeout. <laughs> Satanic
0: it's the majesties. Fest, the fest for Stones, Stones. fans. Thank there we you. go. Wow. Fifty years.
2: Look Keith is still alive by. Uh, uh, but well, just by the luck of the draw. He's going. Uh, the
1: Walking. Who path. goes? Who goes? Uh, Tony, you go. I go. Fourth one. Okay. I got one of two here. But we hope you all are thinking
0: think for think yourself. Yours, yes. Thank Sorry. You. Uh, all right, here's. We want to hear
1: yours at the end. Here's mine no. November 7th, 1966. Hmm, what day was that? We're giving too many dates. Yeah, well, John, it's easy for those of you who know. I'll just put it this way. John climbs up the ladder. (laughs) No, John, no. At the Indica Gallery in London, John Lennon experiences this quirky Japanese artist and sees a ladder in the corner, climbs that ladder. Don't climb the ladder. Don't climb the ladder, John. Climbs the ladder. Say no. And looks up into the little magnifying glass and it says quite simply, Yes. 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 And had it said, you know, like John said, well, had it said, you know, F you, you know, or I would no. have gone, or no, you know, I might not have." But it said, yes, a positive message for our Johnny boy. Well, think about it in my game. Who yes is the answer. Yes is the answer. And you know that for sure. And oh. the thing, sorry, and sorry. But John goes up the ladder, a beetle. And falls down. <laughs> comes down the ladder. A changed person. A changed man. So I'm going to put that in as, that's my big event. So John going up the ladder. John going up the ladder. Seeing the yes. That is an interesting
2: Coming concept. down. Thinking about it. That's it, man. That, that was the moment. moment too, you know. That's it. it. It's yeah. all done. Oh, look. It's, yeah. it's wow. on mine. But wow. yours doesn't say ladder. You thank know, God. Yeah, it just says Yoko. <laughs> oh, thank you for telling <laughs> oh, him. Oh, damn. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who goes next? Let's call you. And Mitchell's good <laughs> next.
0: I'm going to now say Yoko Ono. I really don't mean that in a bad way. But what we event? Like, we, all, we well, like Yoko. The event. I, like really, I don't have a still-pissed-at-Yoko t-shirt. No, not at all. None of us do. I like Yoko. Tony Bramwell <laughs> does. We like the Yoko. <laughs> anyway, he still his wears book. it. Read yeah. his book. Yoko, the event of meeting Yoko in general. So we'll say the latter event. I'll go one rung further on your ladder. One rung on the ladder. The event of Yoko Ono, meeting Yoko Ono, really, I, I think, just changed him, as we said. Yeah. Um, although Paul actually turned John on to avant-garde music.
1: Like, avant-garde a clue, what it means. Avant-garde right. A
0: clue, right, exactly. But Paul turned him onto it, but John used avant-garde more, if you could say using avant-garde. He well, was more avant-garde.
2: But he was also thinking
0: that everyone
2: wanted to hear what he was hearing, where maybe Paul was doing it, but he sort of knew Still that, being commercial. Right, still
1: being know. private yeah. about his carnival of light and things yeah. like that. Well, the right.
0: funny thing is, what, what would have happened if Paul climbed up the ladder? Seriously. I think Paul was being
1: exposed to a lot more of that type of stuff. Was, I think yeah. than John was. Paul, because of folks like Peter Asher and and uh, the gentleman who owned the Indica Gallery, whose name is uh, John hey, Dunbar. Maybe, uh, thank you, John Dunbar. He was he was meeting uh, a lot of people and and. Uh, I have a feeling it affected John much more profoundly. I think Paul would have, you know, hammered the nail in, and I'll and give left. you an imaginary hammer, and, you know, and Paul would have climbed the ladder and said, oh, yes, hey, great, very positive, <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> thumbs up on thumbs you, th- hey, mm-hmm. you know, and would have, would have climbed down the ladder and gone home and said, hey, saw this cool thing, ladder, you know, yes, all right, great, you know. One more thing in Paul's list of stuff he but did that week. But you know
0: week, what, the fact that you know, John did it, and Yoko, John was looking for something. Yes. yes. Well, we know what he was looking for. (laughs) No, he was looking for something. But he he was bored being married and bored being Being a Beatle, Beatle. and And he found something that was different. So, she helped him in a way that maybe didn't help the Beatles, right? Because she changed him, you know, forever. Because she showed him what the outside world can be like, right? And he did change. I mean, in subsequent albums, he wasn't so present. No, I mean in Abbey Road, no. everybody says, "Oh, Abbey Road is the quintessential Beatles album. It's the last one, swan song. It's great. It is great." But John wasn't there half the time. Right, yeah, he wasn't right. Well, he had, he did have an accident, yeah, and so you know, accident. yes, but but he was with her, and didn't really do a lot I, of stuff. I on also that think song. that John's songwriting changed
2: because of her. Everything became more direct. Yeah, everything became yeah. immediate. And I think also with, with her, him being with Yoko, it revived him being an artist. And him as an artist, it always was fast. He always recorded fast. And he, he actually would write fast. So sometimes when he would say, well, that's a throwaway or a dovetail joint, well, sometimes that's what you have to do to create a song. Well, yeah. he said
0: to Paul, yeah, the yeah. movement you need is on your shoulder. Right. And keep that in. Paul is going to throw that out. Right.
1: so. You know what, though? But it is true. It got him away from the being for the benefit of Mr. Kites. It got right, him yeah. away from the experiment that got him away from got d- him away dwelling from for hours and hours. down and women's hours houses in, in Norwegian, Norwegian Wood. wood yeah, it got him away from that, too, but yeah. still. I mean, and then he writes Julia. Then he writes Julia. Right.
0: So, right. Okay. So that's very interesting, so that, too, because yeah. he writes Julia, and, and it's about his mom and Yoko. And Yoko. Yeah. So right. she becomes the next mother. Right. Yeah, and basically. I don't mean it, again, negatively, right. but just, you know, he always he called, her called her mother. mother. Right. Right. This is my fourth or fifth. It's your it's my your fourth. <laughs>
2: fourth. My uh, next one is Alan Klein coming into the picture.
1: Dum-dum-dum-dum. I'm sorry. Uh, I have to give right the musical hand a hand compliment. I did not know what
2: his left hand was doing.
1: <laughs> or uh, who his left hand did. was doing.
2: I think Alan Klein coming into the picture changed everything because John liked Alan Klein and Paul didn't. And we all know, guess what,
1: Paul was right. Paul was right that's a great t-shirt Paul was right uh, (laughs) Paul made them up Paul has them Paul has them right on tell Paul's website
2: (laughs) there there was a good chance based on the contracts that the Beatles recordings could have ended up in the nice little label called Apco the way the Rolling Stones recordings have right and eventually the three Beatles sued Alan Klein and that lasted for a long time the lawsuit so Paul was right about that and I think that that split the Beatles right there, because the problem was that Paul was bringing his father in in, and they didn't trust him. they thought he was a straight so that to me alan klein is the is the
1: delineating yeah okay,
2: and even though he did do some good things in the beginning, get you know contract changes and And doing things like that. But I think he also also pitted them against. But I also think somehow he had a
1: divide and conquer mentality. I don't know how it benefited him in any way. I'd I'd love to see all of the legality involved. But I just feel like there was a divide and uh, conquer with Klein.
2: Was it the interview with Larry King? Alan Klein comes up somehow. And Paul is still angry Yes. Know, 40 yeah, years 40 later. Yeah, 40-something years later. He's all itchy. He's like, oh, well, yeah. you know, we had a manager, then it was dry. And I'm like, come on, Paul, you won.
0: <laughs> You're worth a billion. <laughs> give it it up.
2: <laughs> so I think that really, and it's, it's unfortunate, because uh, maybe they don't break up if that doesn't happen. If mm. they figure out
1: how someone to work else that. They
2: can all trust instead of three versus one. Right. Right. So now the fifth and final. Oh, you're on
0: four. Uh, well, we, we we don't have too much time. So okay, do we will quickly.
2: Talk. quickly we, we won't talk much on the fifth one. We won't
0: talk much. That yeah, we'll just like start. we can do that. Has anybody heard our show? <laughs> there you go. All right, I will tell my fifth one, even okay. though I think I've told like seven already. Um, Magical Mystery Tour, the movie. I'm not going to go into it. You discuss. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, honestly, talk Magical Mystery yourselves. Tour was when Paul again took over and tried right. to make something out of nothing and ended up with nothing. I don't care what anybody says. It's not a great movie. It's you can watch it remastered, refiltered, re-everything. It looks nice. It looks beautiful. But how many of you really think it's a great movie? Great. When I say great, raise your hand if it's a great movie. Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, really? Okay, people. cool. I know why. For the videos, right? It's there not we go. for the for midgets the and the priests. I mean, come on. And <laughs> <Has> Ringo driving <laughs> the, the bus like cool. a maniac. <laughs> I mean, come on. So Ringo killing people driving the movie. movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. You <laughs> think Anthony, it's great, too? Well All then right. you're lying to me. <laughs> Kevin, you're lying, Kevin. <laughs> it was it was a TV special. Yeah,
1: the music Fox is phenomenal. Right. Absolutely. Anthony, Anthony. All right, very quickly. Well, I've got theirs. a couple here. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to do a date again. August 28th, 1964. August twenty eighth, Hollywood Bowl, Delmonico Hotel. The we Beatles what did there. The Beatles have a laugh with Bob Dylan. Oh, yes. Ah. The Beatles get the first taste of Mary Jane. What a shame. Mm-hmm. She, had exactly. a pain she had a pain at, the party. pain at the party. John, here, take some of this. Take some of this, hey. And of course, you know, after Paul, it was, Paul, are you going gonna to finish that? You know, because <laughs> anyway. But think yes, about the lifelong. I want to hold your hand. Yeah, I get high. I get high. <laughs> and for those who don't know, Bob actually lit the, and said, you know, you guys, you must smoke this, right? And they kind of all went, oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, Bob. Now all we right. do, you know. Now we do. <laughs> August and, 29th. <laughs> and Bob said, "Well, you know, in the lyrics to your song, you know, I get high, I get high, I get no. high," and they all went, okay. yeah, okay." <laughs> you know. Whenever you. So, want to uh, so they smoked their first doobie with Bobby, and uh, thank you, Bob Dylan. Next thing you know, there was, you know, you were there. They meet Dr. Oh, Robert no. a year later. Yeah, so You, know, <laughs> and, you know, all right, do uh, one more thing.
2: Oh, my last thing is. The Beatles broke up at the right time, and wow. Ooh. to me, we don't get all the solo music. Most of it is very, very, very good. A couple of things, yeah, we know we know which ones we don't listen to on the first poll of our CDs. At Extra work. texture. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, wow. Sometime in New York City. That was rude. Well, thank you. <laughs> but I think breaking wow. up was the right thing. I do wish they got t- together before John had died. I got the impression John would have wanted it. I always thought that George was the one who was against it,
1: no matter what. So you're thinking, in all seriousness, that one of the events that affected the Beatles was their breaking up at the right time. Right.
2: I I like that. I think it was. Wow. Because think about it. We don't get all things must pass. Right. If but, the Beatles we, don't break but up. maybe
0: we do because they were rehearsing it for. Yeah. So maybe we it do get. Nice maybe it we get it as Beatles a side
2: rehearsals. project. Well, well, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Maybe. Or maybe they they do a Genesis thing, but
0: no one had well, done that before. Right. Maybe they yeah. do a Kiss and release four solo albums and then come back to the Beatles and, and, and you then, put them all together and you get it. And an then of
2: course the Kiss albums are in the discount bin two weeks yeah, later. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. We got to wrap up, but we want to know. Can we get so a couple questions. of yours? Yeah. Mike. Mike. From where? Come on, Amish. Jersey okay. Where are you from? Great town. Two real quick that if they may seem small but if they Go didn't ahead. happen we may not be here. Raymond Jones coming in to buy oh. okay. the record. My Bonnie. my Bonnie, that didn't happen. Raymond that Jones, believe, in case we so. may, he may have never seen the Beatles. Brian, okay. absolutely. The other one, if Ed Sullivan was not at the airport to see the crowds, very good, wouldn't have booked him. We wouldn't be here. Okay, very, very good. Cool. Okay. okay,
2: first of all, Thank is Raymond
1: Jones real? And he's from Jersey. That's always been a Well, it's it's been debated. Questions. It's also been debated what he that was good. what he asked for. There was very a story good. about that. The reason why Epstein couldn't find the single was because he was looking for the Beat Brothers. There were right. weird different things. But then again, people are saying
2: the Beatles were on the cover of uh, Mercy Beat, and he was selling Mercy Beat. Well, right. but still, though,
1: so. you're to go get the record. It might have been a error
0: Anybody Charles else or... have one that we haven't touched that you think is
3: really important? Well, you were talking about before when uh, John Lennon made that comment, you know, but I think he didn't mean it that way. He spoke the truth because the girls were going
1: nuts. You know, you don't see them going crazy in the church. Right. But, of course, he's in the media. They, they misinterpreted. Exactly. So, right. you know. Anybody Thank else? You. Anyone else with a Beatleman? Oh,
2: Elsa! Oh. Our gentlemen. own Elsa. Contributor to Beatle Fan Magazine.
3: We talked about it last night. And, uh, give his Al the mic. December 10th, 1963. Ooh. Okay? That was the night that belated uh, after about two weeks, the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite ran the Alexander Kendrick report. And there was this 15-year-old girl in suburban Maryland named Marcia Albert who saw that report, wrote to her favorite nighttime DJ, Carol James, at WWDC in Washington, and asked if uh, he could play records by The Beatles. He then got in touch with he had actually heard about them, had seen the report, you know, got in touch with a flight attendant friend of his who got him a copy of I Wanna Hold Your Hand. Isn't that cool? Five days later, he had Marsha Albert on his show. She introduced the first apparently American airplay of I Wanna Hold Your Hand. He then made copies for St. a couple Louis. of friends from St. Louis and I think a couple of other stations. And you know, and it's the, like a Well
0: Balsam commercial and, and so on. And they told two so friends. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I They told exactly. two Yo friends. Joe Marsha. So
3: that's, that's an event. That, very, very
0: good. Yeah. The event Thank of, you, of that, I'm actually true, hearing and, I'm on one of them. But also, uh,
2: Al, and, as you're a New Jersey person, you would know WMCA here in New York started to play it on December 26th.
1: There you go. Well, so, just a few uh, days later.
2: And they broke it way early. And actually, it, it screwed up Capitol's plans because Capitol was going to release it in January. Right. And, and MCA starts playing it, and they got a great response. And that's why, for those who have that special printing for I Want to Hold Your Hand. MCA good guys. the MCA good guys, yeah, the MCA good guys on the back. That was a thank you from Capitol to MCA. There's only a 1,000 of them made. The ones you find are probably... I was just about what saying, if you have
1: one of those, why are you here? You should be driving your expensive car to your expensive house. Yes. The gentleman
0: right here had one, right? Cabin. Cabin. No, no, no. Yeah,
3: it's just simple. Um, Two mics, wow. I, I think the fact that Capitol rejected those early singles, played big into it because they had like five hit songs in their pocket right. and they had true. you know the forty fives that they had you had that influx of music you had Four, five good songs on the chart that's actually I've never thought that. about that it was because of Capitol's saying no April 4th they had and five actually, top, this, top
2: five April 4th is two days ago <laughs> top five Beatles uh, top 40 on Billboard magazine so had right, but, so right, so those had records Capitol, that came out on Swan right, and if they DJ came out on one, Capitol
0: right. they're not releasing five singles in a row yeah. right? and they're not getting the top five that's true that's, that's really a great cool. point I That's like great. that one. Okay. All right,
3: Kevin, one more? Last yep. one. I just wanted to ask you guys, um, you covered just about everything here, and I'm really stretching my mind to try to think of something. Don't but, hurt yourself. But I know. <laughs> but um, I'm just thinking if uh, just what popped into my mind was the decision for the Beatles to start producing promotional films, oh. which, wow. um, of course, led to MTV, I think, and, and other bands To be fair, I,
0: I will say, to be fair, it wasn't only the Beatles. I mean, there were other bands doing sort of promo films in movies right. so to speak. You know, they were doing their little shtick in well, movies. Well there was something called the
1: Scopatone Reels as well. Scopatone yeah. was a company, but they were they were horrific. I mean they were you know, you'd see the exciters doing the song Tell him in the middle of a zoo. You know, there was no relevance whatsoever. The Beatles were doing like the performance clips, they were doing very cool and unique approach.
2: It man. did prevent them from going live on shows, uh, which as so collectors, might hurt too. It, it, it affects us that. But, but it gave us a
1: wealth of stuff to done. still look at, which is cool. Well, that just
2: about does it for another That's edition up. of the Fab Four Free For All recorded here at the Fest for Beetle
1: Fans. Tens of thousands of fans joining us in the yeah. room. Yay! So we do that every time, because it sounds really cool on the air. Sounds great on radio. And
2: if you want to uh, comment on this or any topic, uh, go to our Facebook page. We have Uh, one. And uh, we also have our website, fab4freeforall.com. And uh, for Tony Treguardo. Take care, folks. Mitch Axelrod.
1: See you later.
2: I'm Rob Leonard, your moderator for today. And thank you. Thank you all for coming in today. (laughs) Great to see everybody.
1: Fab Four Free for All was edited and produced by Tony Traguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York.
0: The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album, Digital Retro and recent best of compilation, as well as from the Fab4 Free For All website.
1: Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All.
0: Can I make a note here? Yes. A mental note to us: we have to have beer in the studio because he's very invigorated. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. All of a sudden he woke up. Wow! Hi, Rob. Hi. Who are you? I'm Bud. You're wiser. (laughs) We're we're,
1: we're Bud. You're wiser, right there. Oh my lord.